I'm Dan. And I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? This week, Daniel, we are talking about Swerve, parentheses, film. Ooh, Swerve. And not a film I've heard of. And looking at some of these, um, the information about it, some of the statistics, I can see why I've not heard of it. I see. Tell me more about Swerve. I'll give you the first line. I think this is going to titillate you a little bit. Right. Swerve is a 2011 Australian thriller film written and directed by Craig Lahiff and starring Emma Booth, Jason Clarke and David Lyons. Right. So it's Aussie and it's an indie film. So the reason I said I'm not surprised I hadn't heard of it was because this film grossed $3,388 at the box office. Wow. Big league stuff. Big, bigly. Bigly, bigly um, big. Uh, I'm just trying to, like, it, uh, annoyingly it doesn't say what the budget is, which I guess means there's not much of one. Uh, <laughs> but it was produced, uh, so it was produced by Screen Australia, South Australian Film Corporation. I, I slipped into an Aussie accent without even meaning to. I see there. you've played Knifey Spoonie before. Spoonie before. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me just let me just go and get the Prime Minister. Oi, Prime Minister. Prime Minister. Hey, lads, what's a good word? <laughs> Love. Such a great episode. It really is. Um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, there's an episode of The Simpsons where they go to Australia. I'll include a link in the show notes uh, to the to the YouTube clip. Um, I've got to say, this episode's going to be a lot easier to write the show notes for, Dan, because it's going to be a couple of days, if that, uh, between us recording it and us releasing it. Mm. Whereas last episode, as we said, the big lie about the whole thing, we, we edited it, sorry, we filmed it, three weeks before it came out because mm. we, we had to get ahead because of uh, I only went and bloody moved house, didn't yeah. I? Crazy time. And I had all of my exams last week, so it was, it was busy on both fronts. We were both very busy boys. Mm. Um, but uh, we got it, we got, we got them out of the way. I'm in my new house. You have smashed all of your exams. Mm. Um, it's been quite a lot to catch up on, actually, because it has been a while since we've spoken. Yeah, it has. So before we totally go off from the article, as, as is tradition... Um, I feel like you need to tell me just a little bit more about this film before I start asking you about the house move. Right, so the one-sentence summary is uh, David Lyons plays an honest man who, after a car accident, retrieves a suitcase full of cash from the other car. And it's one of these... I I don't know if you do this, but I sometimes... If I know I'm not going to watch a film, Mm. and for me that's very frequently horror films, read the plot synopsis, and I'll Mm. be like, oh, okay, I'm getting something. It's like reading an an ultra-condensed novel. But... Certain types of films have just the most like labyrinthine, and and I think it also depends on who writes the summary for Wikipedia. Because yeah. sometimes it's like every twist and turn will be put in there. Summary provided by David Lynch. <laughs> oh no. Whereas it could be like Mad Max Fury Road, be like they could they drive in one direction, they discover something isn't there, they drive back. Yeah, like that could it's be the summary of Mad Max Fury Road. But it's also like. I feel like there's a lot of wannabe film students and wannabe directors who'll write this and be like, you know, try and make it emotive. Like, when Colin notices a bruise on Gina, she claims that Frank beat her, but Colin becomes suspicious when he hears that Frank and Gina have rough sex, which she seems to enjoy. Yeah. Meanwhile, a mechanic works on the side of the wreck. Yeah. Like, it's 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 more painterly than it needs to be for a summary. Mm. Um, so this one is very much like that. It's very, That was an excerpt I just, I just read there. It's very like, bang, bang, bang. It can't stay still for a moment. In, in a way, the indie films I, I feel are very frequently, because mm. you're not going to say the film on the promise of spectacle or no. big name actors it's going to be the quality of the script of which i think some people 
mistake density of plot points with quality. Yes, definitely. Uh, like you've got to let stuff breathe in the script. If it, if for if anybody who is listening to this who wants to be a writer, because I've now I can just say I have written in two formats now for for screen and for novels. Mm. Uh, you, you've got to you've got to account for the pacing, my, my dudes. It's it's yeah, not as simple as just trying to get as much in as possible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically this film is one of those. Uh, I I am not reading that block of text. That's a lot of stuff. I, I did get um. I did have a momentary peak of excitement because I thought that um, <laughs> I thought that it starred Jason Isaacs. Oh, you're right, Jason, <laughs> uh, who is one of our favorite actors. Yeah, we love that. Genuinely, man. one of these guys that I would love to meet and just have a drink with. He seems yeah. like such a because I still, you know, I, I saw a gif of him the other day from um, Death of Stalin. I still need to see Death of Stalin. Oh, it's brilliant. It's on. Um, it's on Netflix, I think, isn't it? Oh, is it? I yeah, might I watch so. it tonight. To be honest, it might uh, even be on iPlayer as well. Like I can't remember. It's certainly on. It's certainly on something. Either Netflix, iPlayer, four, or Amazon Prime. Like Prime. I think Video. it might have been a Channel Four partly financed film. It's that kind of film for type. Yeah. You know where it's like it's not art house, but it's a little bit art house. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because there's there's so many quotable lines from that. Being like, I'm smiling, but I'm actually really furious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, it's kind of fun that like I'm watching the World War Two series at the moment week by week, and so it's like Zhukov is a massive character in that, and trying mm. to reconcile that with what I know about the the film from the memes. It's just yeah. kind of funny. But it's not unfortunately, it's not Jason Isaacs. It's Jason Clark, who you might remember as the antagonist of the most recent Terminator film. Oh right, Terminator. Oh no, was that the most recent Terminator Genesis? One of the CGI ones. Oh, I see. Recently. And he was Malcolm in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Oh no, he yeah. was he was John Connor in Terminator Genesis. Oh, take it all back. But yeah, he's he's one of those those guys. You'd be like, oh that guy. Like, am I right in thinking? Hang on, is it? Yeah, he looks like a younger Hugh Bonneville. Whenever I see him, I think of Hugh Bonneville. Clark with an E. Yeah, Jason Clark with an E. Oh, oh yes. Hey, he looks like the actor who played Chandler in Friends. Oh, uh. Ah, this is where I've never watched an episode of Friends, Dan. Yeah. Um, Chandler Bing. I know that's his, uh, or is it Chandler Google? No, it's from the 90s. Chandler Bing. Uh, Matthew Perry. That's it, Matthew Perry. I really, is it worth watching, do you think, at this point? Is, is it one of these shows that's massively dated? We've said, I mean, I think I've said this before. It's, it's, com it's utterly harmless, facile television. You watch enough episodes to to start eliciting some kind of emotional response because you've watched episodes and you feel like you're not necessarily invested, but you know the characters and as such can kind of emote when things happen. It's comfort viewing. Um, it's it's fine. I watched I, I watched quite a bit over like winter lockdown when I was in the house on my own and didn't have anything else to do. Mm. And uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I mean, equally, I haven't watched it since because I've had other things to do. It's not something I'll get home and go ooh. Yeah, I'd love to pop Ooh, some friends. Lovely little episode of Friends. Yeah. I mean, what's your what is your go? Because I know we, we previously spoke about uh, a below decks Mediterranean, but oh. do you do you have a classic TV show that you will go back to as comfort viewing? That's something you've watched several times. Yeah, I really do, and it's um, it stars James May, and and the wine critic Oz Clark. Oh, and they go yes, around of course. France in the first season, then America, and do like New World wines in the second, and then this this. Um, 
James and Oz drink to Britain and they tour around the British Isles going through like the national drinks and things and it's just great. The big wine adventure, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's I, I love that. I think it's brilliant. I really, really like James May. In fact, anything he does, he did a brilliant thing on Amazon, uh, on Prime Video, where it was it was it was called like James May, Your Man in Japan. Oh, I heard about and this. And he does like a, a cultural thing of and it's absolutely fascinating. It's really good. And James is the sort of perfect host, really, because he he is quite genuine and interested in things and mm. But equally, equally is is quite the kind of everyman, you know. Yeah, definitely. He's it's uh, going back and rewatching some of the old Top Gears. It's fascinating to see that dynamic and how all three of the original presenters, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, and James May, are yeah. so different, but they they collapse together like a pyramid. You know, they they're perfectly balanced as all things should be. Yeah, and exactly. Because for me, it's community. If, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna sit down and just watch something that I want twenty minutes of not thinking, I'm I watch Community. It was. Just great. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, sorry. So we got a bit distracted. Oh, I've left the article. No, I've left the article. I've left the article, Dan. I've left the article. <laughs> ah! Um, Swerve. Swerve film. There we go. Uh, yeah, not really a huge amount to say. Uh, the Sydney Morning Herald rated it three and a half stars out of five and called it a lively, noir-flavoured thriller. 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. It aims uh, for pulpy thrills, claims the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, but Swerve never lives up to the twisty promise of its title. Who wrote that? God knows. Swerve never lives up to the twisty promise of its title. Ridiculous. Uh, Sherry Linden of the Los Angeles Times wrote that it has elements of a great thriller, except for a good plot. <laughs> Savage. Wow. I mean, I do miss when we used to review films together because we, we did film reviews for uh, Dunkirk. Yeah, Baby Driver. Uh, Guardians 2, Baby Driver. Like, we, we we did a couple, and I really... I feel like we come at films from quite different angles. It's We're not um, Ebert and Siskel, but, you know, we, we, yeah. we, we can do our best bit. We both we, we are both men with opinions, and and that's kind of... <laughs> we the, that's certainly are. Yeah, that's, I think that is, that's all you need. Um, there's some films that are coming out, I think are out at the moment, only recently, that I'm really desperate to see. I've heard such brilliant things, but but that's something for Critics Corner. When it feels safe to, I am really, really keen to go back to a cinema. I, yeah. I, and specifically, well, I, I think I think I'm in two minds about it. Part of me wants to go and watch something Avengers esque, a massive blockbuster on a big screen in like the the Odin in Exeter, for example, like this enormous thing that you share with hundreds of people. Admittedly, the less safe of the two options. And part of me, because that's just an experience you can't replicate anywhere else, really. Mm. And part of me just wants to go to like a, a a picture house and just watch something quiet and, you know, probably stars Alan Rickman or, or something like that. You know, just like, it, it feel like a film snob, I guess. I want to film like a film snob uh, <laughs> again, Dan. Yeah. But you say you have opinions. What We're done with the article, by the way. If, if, if anybody came here to this podcast to actually learn about Australian films, that's it. We're done. Um... What's your opinion of your exams, Dan? How have they been? How do you think they went for you? I think I think they actually went really well. I was pleased with my performance in all of my mock exams, which were an hour long, um, answering. There were two possible questions and you had to answer one. So it was just kind of like a mini, mini exam, whereas the exams proper were four hours long and you had six questions to choose from and you had to answer three. And I think based on my mock performance and then looking at how I, how I did in the exams proper... I definitely think I answered the exam 
the, the proper exams better. So if that's anything to go by, I think I'll be quite pleased with, with the results that are coming out. But equally, there were more questions and there were more legal application rather than just testing your legal knowledge. So it's hard to say. But I think overall, I was I was really pleased um, and think I said everything I should have said. So we shall we shall see. Is it a is it a pass fail or is this on a scale of like a third to a first? Uh, yeah. So these exams are graded. So you can you can you're given a percentile um, result and then that fits into a category of kind of like high low pass mid pass high pass low commendation mid commendation high commendation low distinction mid distinction high distinction okay so i got a distinction in my public mock i had a commendation in my taught mock and a mid pass in contract so contract was the one i had at the beginning of the week and was the one i was most nervous about because it was the the lowest mock um and then public i was just chomping at the bit at to to do because I'm, I'm just fascinated <laughs> by public law it's brilliant did it feel strange going back to to do an exam because i mean you graduated in 2019 two, two years ago yeah. yeah and so you had quite a time between then and and doing this lot of exams sort of i mean on the one hand it did because it's a totally different way i mean it was, i did the exam from home you know like it's a at at 9 30 on any given day you're suddenly able to download the paper and then you have your time starts from then. So if you down the, download the paper late right, or you can't get on, then that sucks. But that's just it. You know, like that's that's how they impose the time limit. You've got to submit before the four hours of when the exam opens. And I think of the four hours I probably used, certainly like, you know, three, three and a half. Okay. I mean, I've never done one like that before. Uh, yeah. uh, did I? No, I had an open book exam from the open university once right but that was like the closest i've ever come but yeah. like it's it, yeah it, i guess you're right it's so different from the way you did exams before like if you were to tell me to go into a school sports hall mm. uh with you know a hundred other children and sit a paper on something even if it was something i knew a lot about i reckon i'd probably struggle yeah purely because as an environment it's just so different Absolutely, you know, it's, and it's something that like that—that's what you build in exam technique, isn't it? You—you you, you kind of prep totally. for that kind of environment, whereas this was different. And that's something which people, I imagine, if I was a student now, wouldn't you be really scared about doing an exam because you haven't had the chance to practice? Mm. And like next year, you might be doing an A level or a GCSE that determines the rest of your future, and you have—if you know—if over the past two years you've not had SAT exams, mm. it's totally alien. Definitely. And also the kind of nature of, so these exams being law exams are totally different to writing, you know, spending three hours doing a classics paper, which is just churn out essay after essay. Whereas there mm. were some essay questions, some short answer, some, most of them were kind of applications. So you're given a fictitious scenario and you advise. So oh, cool. you, you, you're kind of told a series of events, certainly you know, in the contract and taught exams, um, most of those are practical application, whereas public, there are there tend to be more essay based subjects, with the exception of like working through a judicial review question, where again you're given a scenario and you have to say, is judicial review available, and if so, how, and what might the problems be, blah blah blah. But this actually, this legal speak um, prompts me to mention at some point, possibly in critics, uh, I think think it would kind of fit in there mm -hmm. um and with the mentioning of australian film there's been some big australian legal news that i would like to talk about yeah i saw that you retweeted something can you explain this whole situation as if i know nothing about it sure so there is a youtuber and comedian and journalist and kind of 
figure in the public eye, if you like, called uh, Jordan Shanks, who goes by Friendly Geordies on his uh, YouTube channel. And he used to, he started, I used to follow him years and years and years ago. Um, and he was, just, it was a purely kind of like a comedy channel. And in the past four, maybe five years, it's been, it's been moving to something that's more kind of political commentary and freedom of the press kind of a h bomber guy kind of kind of yeah, vibes. like yeah and and but trying to expose the kind of the the levels of kind of corruption that are present in i mean pretty much any government at, at the moment but certainly there's some issues with with australian politics mm. um and over the past while he's been he's been falling out um with the premier of well the deputy premier sorry of new south wales uh, john barillaro as in personally like they are aware of each other yeah they're aware of each other and he's been producing videos about john barillaro's sort of just kind of disgusting public record and it's just not great the the whole new south wales is you know there's there's problems in australia but new south wales it seems to be kind of focused there because the premier and the deputy premier have very weird just quite alarming agendas anyway there's been backs and back and forth and then about i think a week or two weeks ago all over the papers and the press uh were saying that John Barillaro is suing uh, YouTube comedian Friendly Geordies. And for three days, uh, Jordan Shanks received like nothing. He, he was just reading articles about how he's being sued, but he hadn't actually been served any papers. So it had been leaked to the press. And then I think uh, like yesterday or today, certainly the post had been coming out today, um, uh, a 20, uh, 21-year-old producer for YouTube comedian Friendly Geordies has been charged with allegedly uh, stalking and intimidating the New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro. So not only are these kind of, there are kind of cases waiting to be served to both Jordan and one of his producers, um, but a video was made by Jordan. I, I urge you to watch it because it's terrifying. Um, and basically unmarked um, anonymous police um, forces turned up at a producer for the channel's house, this 21-year-old guy, and arrested him with no kind of legal explanation as to why. It wasn't just an arrest. It was a, it was like a full-on assault. Um, they assaulted his family. They, like, harmed the, the dog there. And it's just the most terrifying kind of police state secret police thing that you could possibly you know people people are responding saying how can this happen in australia and the point is it can't there's a massive problem here yeah um and uh it's going to be an absolutely enormous court case fortunately jordan has a really great legal team but it's going to be a hallmark um a hallmark case and it will change case law in that country and we've just got to pray that they win because as he said in his video they can't go to the police for aid they can't go to Parliament because it's precisely the problem that's coming from Parliament and this this whole kind of corruption. Mm. Um, and it's just terrifying. I really, really respect Jordan's work. He's brilliant at engaging kind of in youth politics. And ultimately, it's freedom of the press and that freedom and freedom of speech is being attacked. And it's just terrifying. The more you read about it, you just can't believe what's going on. It's, it's terrifying. So anyway, that was a... A little kind of TLDR, except it wasn't very short. Well, no, but it's a complicated situation. Like you it's could take two minutes to do it. It's very, very complicated. It is, as you say, it, it's terrifying that that can happen in a, a Western democracy. It's, it's the kind of thing that you would hear about in, you know, the eighties in uh, Argentina or mm. in, you know, 
in Libya or something like that. It's it's just the fact that it can e- the fact that it can happen even once. You know, because obviously it's not it's not the same, right? You know, these things were happening all the time in in dictatorships, but the fact that it happens once is far too many times. Mm. Um, and yes, I will I will watch that video. I saw you retweeted it. For those of you who want to follow us on Twitter, by the way, um, you can check the show notes. You can you can see our accounts um, because you know it's it's important stuff. It is. It really is. Remember, people at home who, or or if you're not at home, perhaps you're in the car or on the bus, let us know. Um, if you're listening to this and thinking, well, you know, it's terrible, but it doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. This mm. is, I mean, Dan will be able to tell you much more about this, but the, the fact is that, that it, this sets a precedent yeah. legally and also kind of if, from a societal perspective that this is something that can happen in a, a Western democracy. And I mean, legally, how important will this be? I mean, you said it's massively important, I guess. It's, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's going to be important in, in countries that operate on a case law kind of system, past, di- past kind of judgments are referred to as case law and you rely on case law to build cases and argue cases going forward. So there are always really interesting moments where a piece of kind of fundamental case law um, there is a judgment or a bit of uh, like a, a, an obiter comment, which is a comment that a judge may make that's not actually legally binding, but the will shape debate and may later shape case law decision. Um, for something like this, that is a, a matter of free speech and freedom of the press and just so comically illegal, it's not it's not even funny for this to mm. go through the courts. If there is a win, this case will be referred to in like legal teaching, certainly in Australia, um, for for years to come. And if there's a loss, it's going to completely undermine what is effectively like constitutional law. It's slightly different in 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 countries like um, say uh, France or a lot of European countries op- operate on a civil law system, which is where the kind of the the rules of law and um, kind of various dictum of the constitution is is in a single document right um right whereas like the uk has a constitution it's just it's what's called uncodified so it it doesn't actually exist um whereas in america they do have a constitution and it's written down you know yeah point whatever of the constitution they can actually point and refer to it and our the uk system is is slightly different and then it's it's considerably more flexible I was going to say, isn't the down, the downside? Well, the upside of the written constitution is that it is concrete, yes, but the downside is it's appropriate for the time it was written, and not necessarily so anymore. Yes, and the and the point of having a written constitution is that, so like in America, if you want to change constitutional law, you need to have, I think it's a two third majority in both the House of Representatives and the Senate um, to make any kind of change, whereas because we don't have that it's actually much easier for for the uk to put into place changes to the constitution because it doesn't just exist in any one place it's made up of lots of different sources and and you know it's it's kind of like i think in an essay i wrote last week i was referring to the think of the constitution as as a kind of tapestry that metaphor works well because tapestries are old and our legal system is very old but as soon as there's a kind of pull in the thread or a particular weave or weft becomes unpicked, it's really important Ooh. that you find it and you understand why and you try and do your best to fix it because one little thing falls out of place and the knock-on effect is tremendous. Um, it's it's a really... This is why I love public public law. Public law is so interesting. It's great. It's I love hearing you talk about stuff that you are 
passionate about. It's great. It, 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 you never hear you riled up, Dan. It's great. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing to be witness to. <laughs> also, uh, writing an essay and having an opportunity to to refer to weaves and wefts in the tapestry of mm. English, the English legal system, I think is quite... I mean, I'm a law student now, but you'll never take the, the English and classicists out of me. And there'll be stupid moments where I'll go off on a... I'll, I'll lay out some stupid metaphor and, and get a little bit excited, but yeah. <laughs> well... Oh gosh, how long have we been going for nearly half an hour, Dan? We've just been talking about nonsense. Nailed um, it. Nailed it. So, I mean, the big just just briefly. I mean, I'm, I'm not. This isn't as important as potentially like constitutional reform and massive precedent in Australia. I moved house, um, and it's good. Great. It, you you can see it in the streams, everybody. Now, what's your core piece of the week, Dan? <laughs> And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. So my choral piece of the week, uh, once again, I feel like I need to stop uh, announcing when it's not actually just one piece, but it's a collection of pieces. Because oh, nine times it's out of another ten, album, isn't it? It's another album. Um, well, well, it's not an album. It's a collection of, of works, and it is um, the seven Finzi uh, part songs oh yeah yeah uh now uh finzi is probably my favorite composer really um with palestrina yeah with palestrina probably being up there for polyphony um but but finzi's work is just amazing i remember in an episode we recorded in lockdown last year i was singing the praises quite literally of um <laughs> uh diaz natalis which is a absolutely gobsmackingly gorgeous cantata for for tenor um, a solo tenor. Uh, this time, it's it's a selection of works for choir, uh, four or five parts, uh, and they're the seven part songs. And if you've never come across them, they're brilliant. Um, interestingly, interestingly, there is occasionally an eighth part song listed. So of the seven part songs you'll see on an album, and they'll suddenly list an eighth one, which doesn't seem to make much sense. Um, but it's because it comes from the same collection of texts, and it's... Um, Oh, what's that enormous Finzi? Uh, the Low the Full Final Sacrifice. I think we did it with Chapel. L- yeah, Low the Full Final Sacrifice um, is often lifted, listed as that eighth part song. Right. Um, but it's just beautiful music. Um, if people are curious but find choral music a kind of a slightly harder access point and would just like to hear the composer's wider work, then a great way of listening to, um, to get an idea of what Finzi's about is listen to his piano eclogue. Um, it's quite short. It's piano what, sorry? Eclog. Eclog? Yeah. Uh, hang on, I'm going to find it. That's just a word I've never heard before. <laughs> yeah, E-C-L-O-G-U-E. A short poem, especially of pastoral dialogue. And yeah, if you put into Google Eclog, the first res- the, the, uh, the first result is Finzi. Gerald Finzi, Eclog for Piano and Strings, uh, Opus 10. And it's, it's just heart-wrenchingly beautiful. But that Finzi is just a... Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh. all piece of the week, the seven part songs by Gerald Finzi. Solid choice. Mm, well, it's choices, it. I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah. All right, right, right. And we find ourselves in Critics' Corner, Dan. Uh, you have something you would like to talk about, I know, in Critics' mm. Corner. Uh, I have two things, if I may, to, to introduce the section. Of First of all, I bought uh, yesterday, two days ago, an electric bike. No way. Yeah, way. Uh, otherwise known as Jehovah. Um, yeah, Yahweh. <laughs> that's a biblical joke for all of you fans out there. Fantastic. Uh, 
first I was like, no way. And then I was like, Yahweh. Um, yeah, I, I basically, I so I, I've Pixelgar and I have moved to just outside of Bath. And the thing to know about Bath is that it is a city built into a bowl. Uh, it's, it's a bit like Rome. It's kind of got seven hills around it. Um, and they are steep. They are steep hills. Uh, to get to my house, to the train station, it's about, I think, about 500 feet of height gain um, over about two and a half miles, two, two and a half miles. Mm. So it, basically, it's not ideal for amateur, which I definitely am, cyclists. Um, but uh, at the moment, I cannot drive the car without Pixel Girl. Well, for one thing, the car's not here. She's finishing off the term in our old house and she has the car with her because she needs to go to work. And when she's here, I will need her in the car when I'm driving because I'm still on learner plates. Uh, and that's just really restrictive. And so I thought a really good compromise to fix the situation would be to get an electric bike, mm. which would allow me to get from, for example, my house down to the station uh, and back uh, for when I want to go visit the Oxcast. It means that I can go and see my parents. Uh, I can go and visit friends and, um, you know, just give me a bit more mobility without having to worry about the sodding great hills. Yeah, of course. Um, and the, the experience of trying to find the right electric bike was unbelievable uh because it is such an enormous rabbit hole to fall down yeah i bet like i i don't know why but i thought there'd be like 20 30 types of bike to choose from and yeah you know by, by price point like right i can afford realistically these five and then you pick the one you want no 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 you can go in so many different directions there are so many different kinds of electric bike available um and also it, there is just this revolution going on of people buying these things like a yeah. statistic i learned the other day which is probably quite out of date now because i think this is two years old was that there are 150 million electric vehicles on the roads at the moment and mm. 148 million of them are electric bikes wow which is, it's not mad. That's that is mad. The, uh, and, and yet, if you, t like, I never would have guessed that they were as popular as that. But, uh, mostly because you can't actually tell at first glance, unless it's very obvious from a huge battery. Hmm. You can't really tell what's an electric bike anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But they are increasingly being referred to as a kind of car replacement. As long as you're not trying to transport furniture. I'm wanting to drive from Bristol to Edinburgh. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, then it's actually a perfect, perfectly serviceable car replacement. And I asked the... So I'm in a Slack with a bunch of other people from Standard, my uh, agency of YouTubers. And um, I just sort of was like, you know, just out of curiosity, is anybody else riding an electric bike? Tons of YouTubers already use them. Mm. And like, uh, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, like Sam from Wendover said that he commutes every day on it. And it's like a 10 mile commute that he just doesn't even notice. Yeah. Because the way that they work basically, is, certainly with UK law, there's like, it's quite restrictive what you can actually have. But it boils down to if you don't want to get a motorbike license, mm. uh, or do the basic training even, um, then you can get uh, what's called a pedelec or a uh, oh god, pedal assisted e electrically powered electrically pedal assisted drive or e pad or something like that, which mm. basically means you have to pedal, but the bike will then put more um, energy in as mm. you pedal, but it won't. It's not like a screw throttle or anything, yeah. and it will only help you up to 25 kilometers per hour, and then it will cap out. You can go faster than that, but it won't help you go faster than that. Yeah. Um. And the thing to to bear in mind is that it will. But there are different levels of support. So if you want to drive it as a ride, it even as a normal bike, you can. If you want to ride it as an electric bike with as much support as possible, it will put in as much as I think three hundred percent of the effort you put in 
Yes. On top of. So you're effectively only having to work one quarter as hard mm. to and, and if you think about going up a hill, that's just gonna make hills flatten out. You're effectively, yeah. you know, reducing the gradient by like a factor of four. So um, I'm very excited to get it. I'm hopefully going to pick it up this weekend uh, from a place in London. Uh, I was actually able to snag one that was basically going at trade rates. Um, oh, cool. So I, I, I got about £1,000 off what it should have been. <laughs> I, I always hear the praises sung of Brompton. Yeah, so there are a couple of brands that have been recommended. One was definitely Brompton. Though mm. They seem to specialise in folding electric bikes, which yes. are expensive. Yeah. They're like four or £5,000. Um there are the, the advice that i was given was to look for the motor rather than for the brand which i think is good advice um, mm. because ultimately that's what counts so uh i basically settled on between that and not wanting to spend more money than i absolutely had to because you know it is an experiment and contrary to what some people on like youtube or wikis might think i don't have that much money um so i went for an uh a ridgeback arcus one which uh, is an older version. There's an Arcus 2 that's just come out, um, but it's basically got a very standard motor. It's at a very reasonable price. Most importantly, it has a detachable battery. Some of them you can't, like you have to bring the bike inside to charge, which we don't have space for in the new house. Um, and it means that if you go in somewhere, you can just plug it into the wall and recoup some battery. Um, but yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited by this, this purchase, and I'm hoping to make at least one, maybe two videos about it. So that's a business expense right there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, when you come and visit, as we were talking about before we started recording, we're going to be hopefully doing some filming together uh, before too long using some mm. Wikicast funds. Um, we, you can, you can have a go on it. Although it will probably be a bit big for you now. I think about it. Well, you mean you say that my my um my Pashley that I I cycle is is pretty enormous. Because it's a sort of in your in your search engine of choice, Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, pop into Google. Uh, Let's Pashley, just get to ask Jeeves. Hang on. <laughs> Pashley Roadster Sovereign. Hang on, I've just got to Google Ask Jeeves. Uh, oh, it's changed now. It's just called Ask.com. Uh, right. So what, what am I searching for? Pashley. Pashley Roadster Sovereign. Roadster Sovereign. There we go. And then I've got the I've got the British Racing Green one. Oh, this doesn't even have an image option. My God, Ask Jeeves has gone downhill. Mm. Oh, but it's a very pleasant looking bike. It's gorgeous. It's done in the kind of proper kind of like the old sit up and beg style of kind of like um, delivery bicycles and things. Bring bring. Um, yeah, and it, and it's got a proper ding ding bell. And interestingly, so if you're looking at an image of the bike mm. underneath the seat there are springs it, and there is yeah so it's a it's a sprung leather saddle which means it's just super super comfortable um the kind of suspension is incredible if you look under those strings you'll see uh connected to the kind of main frame that goes up into the seat there's like a silver tube quite a thick silver tube uh yes yeah it's um it's a bike pump that's clever so it's all it's all kind of built in it's got a built-in lock over the rear wheel guard um rear wheel guard um there's a there's a rear rack um oh yeah it's i i love it i love it and what i'm what i'm thinking of doing is there's an um there's an independent uh e-bike company in exeter mm. and i want to have a chat with them to see how much it would cost me for them to do like a custom electric motor yeah because that's the other route is yeah, you you get like a kit, and yeah. the thing is, if you get one of those kits down, it doesn't actually have to, like well, no, obviously it has to be road legal. 
Mm. But uh, if you get a kit from China and it's in Mandarin, which you don't read, mm. then maybe it's got more than 250 watts, which is the law. Maybe it's got like a thousand. Maybe you'd be able to actually go a bit faster without... It's not like anybody would know, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's worth... Yeah. Especially because it's a, it's a it's beautiful to ride, but you can basically only ride it on the flat because it's <laughs> a kind of vintage bike. It weighs like, I think, 22 kilos or something. Because uh, no, that's the other drawback of an electric bike normally is that they are a lot heavier. So you'd be yeah. taking a heavy bike and making it even heavier. Yeah, which is fine. But like even in even in a slight headwind on the flat, it's <laughs> the, the, the bike is effectively a windsock. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's, it can make it can be quite the struggle, but it's just so comfortable to ride. If you want to see. So the one one of the other ones that I was considering, and I personally don't like the style of this because it is very different. If you if you get, give Van Moof S3 a Google or an Ask Jeeves, um, which is a Dutch company um, that does it's what what is frequently described as a Marmite bike. Uh, people seem to love it or hate it. Oh yeah, but it's got a very kind of tubular design. Tubular, like a, tubular, totally tubular, dude. Oh yeah, wow, how weird. Uh, and it comes very highly recommended. I personally don't like it. For a variety of reasons, mo most important of which is that it has an internal battery, and so you can't like bring it inside. Let's you know, bring the battery inside. But um, yeah, that's like the exact opposite style to your bike. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. Um, the other thing which I'd like to quickly review before we move on to your more important things mm. uh, is I went for the very first time ever mm. to an IKEA wow. yesterday. Was it everything you dreamed of and more? I was cynical going in. Yeah. I, I've got to say, um, like, I, I was not. I was like, "What's the big fuss about?" Because basically, Pixel Girl was like, "Right, we'll do the tour, and then we'll come back and you know actually look at this stuff just so you see what it's like." And halfway around, we were like, "Actually, should we just get lunch here?" First, great decision. Mm. Uh, they do these vegan plant balls now, um, which were very good. Tastes just like meat. Um, and I was like, "This is." Okay, I'm getting on board. And yeah. then we went back into the showroom and it was like, once you have a goal, like we wanted to get another bookcase and maybe something for my office to help me with storage. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, it's like a kid in Legoland. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I could build that. Yeah, that works. Yeah, oh, we could make that. And it took, I was about 80% of the way sold. Mm. And then I went uh, downstairs to where they have like you actually pick up the flat pack furniture and oh boy mm. i was in i was like yeah. this is amazing yeah, yeah this this is so cool it's a very very slick um i mean it's always a, it's always fun to go to ikea I, I love an ikea trip because there's actually some really useful things you kind of you walk past and go i never really thought i'd need that but actually right it's it's it kind of solves a solves a real problem yeah like we had so we got a planter for the uh for the house which we were like oh, that would go perfectly. And we were like, yes, that would go perfectly. And mm. suddenly you're spending like another 30 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you walk out and you're like, what did we even come in for? The other place that I would really, really recommend, you can't you can't really go to it because it's an online shop, but Wayfair. Oh, yeah. Wayfair is great. I've I got my desk, the new kitchen table and the chairs and the television stand all from Wayfair. And mm -hmm. it's brilliant. It's really, really good. And if you go when there's a sale on, it's... I think it's 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 basically it's like IKEA but some of the materials are a little bit kind of longer lasting. Okay, um, cool. You can you can it's a collection of loads of different online furniture things and well anything really any kind of furnishing in the house outdoor whatever and you can really pay as much or as little as you like depending on how what your budget is but I think the kind of mm. the 
the materials used are are just a little um a little bit more long lasting but i had yeah. i told you about my glorious encounter with ikea not long ago did i when i was trying to order new new drawers for the bed oh i don't think you did actually ah, it was incredible is this podcast fodder this this sounds like it's gonna be great podcast material. yeah it's great i mean it's only very short but basically um my bed oh this is uh i feel like i need to move closer to the microphone and start talking about my oh, uh, my boudoir have you have you seen the the IKEA ASMR video though? They actually did an official advert oh, that was no. deliberately ASMR. I haven't seen this. Oh, it's I'll I'll link that in the show notes. It's quite something. <laughs> so um so yes my uh my bed has two sets of drawers on either side. It's a double bed, um two, and I it used to be up against a wall. So I never built the other cupboards because they've got handles on them and the the, the bed wouldn't sit flush against the oh, yeah, kind yeah, of skirting yeah. board. This is one of the most boring stories I think I've ever told. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I the bed has since been moved, so there is access on either side. Um, and uh, I needed to build the drawers. So I went into the shed because I kept all the stuff. But because it's been in the shed for like, I don't know, four and a half years, um, the wood's got slightly damp and has expanded ever so slightly, which means it just can't, nothing works. So I went online and I was like, how do you order spare parts? And Ikea have a very, very, no, I'm going to be too polite. They have a system online where you can, <laughs> they have a very, very system online where you can, where you can get your parts and you just need to know the, the part number, pop it in and mm. it's fine. But part numbers change, especially after like four and a half years. So I was getting really stuck. I couldn't do it. And I was getting more and more frustrated that I couldn't get these drawers sorted. So I just called them. I called the main the octane num- content of this podcast yeah. has never been higher. It's by the super, way. it's super high. Um, so I just called them. It was a general number. It wasn't like a spare parts thing. I just picked up the phone and said, I want to talk to like customer service. And I got put in contact with an incredibly helpful person who I think his name was also Dan. So of course he was helpful. And I said, look, I've got this bed. And I told him the, the kind of the bed, the product number. And he was like, okay, yeah, right. And I said, do you see how this two drawers on one side and two drawers on the other. He was like, yep. I said, I have one side of drawers. I need everything to do those other two drawers. And he was like, all right, leave that with me. I'll be back in like 10 minutes. 10 minutes later, he'd done everything. Wow. So much so that in those 10 minutes, he had to quickly call one of the like Swedish offices and being like, yeah, we don't do this part anymore. Can you send that over? And they were like, yeah, no problem. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. No problem. You were definitely going to do an accent I was, there. I was. I had to really <laughs> No I problem. To, I had to really Took stop Took some kit for curling. And uh, he sorted it all for me. And they all, both the, both the stuff that was shipped from the UK and the stuff that was shipped from Sweden arrived within two days of each other. Wow. And it was just completely perfect. And I didn't pay a penny. Really? Wow. I didn't, uh, the screws, all of the, uh, the actual bits and the wood and the like handles, everything. I didn't pay for anything. Wow, that is very good. It was incredible. I was so impressed. When when customer service goes that little bit further, it it's so noticeable and it's brilliant. Here endeth the first lesson. <laughs> wow, top notch. This this podcast sponsored by IKEA. Yeah, the beautiful everyday. Now, what was it that you, however, would like to review in Critics Corner? Ah, well, it's not so much a review. It's something that I'm really, really desperate to go and see. Uh, there are two ah, films. Okay. There's the new Conjuring film, which I really want to see. Because I like Wait, horror the, the horror film. I didn't. Yeah. I never knew that you were like a fan of that style of horror film. Oh yeah, okay. I just I, well I like horror films. Um, and um, it's the only way you can feel alive. A Quiet Place Part Two. 
Now, I've not seen the first one. How would you describe the... Is it a horror? Is it a thriller? It's a thriller. Right, okay. It's definitely a thriller. Um, there's moments of horror. Or, well, there's moments of real petrifying fear. Um, mm. But I would describe it more as a more as a thriller. Okay. Now, I was wondering if it was going to be something a bit like um, Edge of Tomorrow. Because the, the marketing made it seem like there were similar kind of elements. Or, and certainly the creature design seemed to be a little bit like that. Yeah, I would, I would mark them as quite different. Okay, it's a, it's a brilliant. If you haven't seen the first one, I highly highly recommend it. It's excellent, um, and it's John Krasinski in his directorial debut, I think, and he does a fantastic job. Yeah, nuts, isn't it? So much so that even the first one and the second one, there was a tweet made by Stephen King. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, big super daddy of horror, um, and he was like, "It is an absolute masterpiece." Which is, as praise goes, is incredible. Yeah, I'll say. So yeah, um, those two. There was something um, I read the other day, which is that uh, Francis Ford Coppola, after he made the first Godfather and was asked to do the second one, was like, I don't think I should direct this one. I think you should get this young guy called Martin Scorsese to direct it. Oh yeah. And um, But at this point, Scorsese had only done one film. Crikey. Which is, imagine, which is like... You know, for a film that won how many Oscars and how it have much of the box office, it would be like saying, "Oh, I don't know, let's give the Last Jedi to." Actually, Ryan Johnson was probably actually quite a similar choice. <laughs> He'd done Godzilla and he did, um, not Prisoners. What was that one about people trying to escape Mexico? Um, oh, I know the one you mean. Was that? Or am I getting him and Gareth Edwards mixed up? Hang on, Ryan Johnson. Oh, he did Looper as well. I forgot he did Looper. Ryan huh. Johnson. That was solid. That was a good film. No, I'm getting him and Gareth Edwards mixed up because Gareth Edwards did Godzilla and Monsters. That was it. It was called Monsters. Uh. That was it. His three films as a director were Monsters, which was tiny micro budget. He did some of the special effects himself. Then the American Godzilla film and then Rogue One. Right. Like he hockey sticked so hard. Yeah. Yeah, crikey. I get those two mixed up because there's, there's 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 like a stable because the hell Gareth Edwards is 45, Ryan Johnson is 47. Probably Duncan Jones is kind of in that similar kind of range. He's 50. So yeah, like that I think I, I think of this like kind of stable of British directors of all kind of interchangeable with the notable exception of um Edgar Wright. He's probably mm. a bit older actually. When was he born? Edgar Wright is 47. Oh my god. Wow. He's got a new film coming out actually, hasn't he? It was, um is it Last Night in Soho? Oh yeah, that looked good. Yeah, that seems more your kind of speed actually. It's, I'm not yeah. sure if I want to watch that, but it's it's kind of fantasy sci-fi-esque kind of mm. horror inspired. Yeah. Oh wow, his Wikipedia article's cool. Like he's he's got a, a table on his Wikipedia article of re- recurring actors. Oh, really? Like people that have been in multiple projects. Huh. So like Jason Schwartzman is in Scott Pilgrim and he was in the Sparks Brothers. Yeah. I missed that one. Oh, it's a documentary. I never saw this. Oh, and fellow director Garth Jennings. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot about Garth Jennings. He um he did, uh, do you remember Son of Rambo? Yes. That was a really nice film. It was a good film. And he did Sing, the animated film, and he did Hitchhikers, which wasn't a very good film. 
And of course, the Cornetto trilogy, Scott Pilgrim. Edgar Wright, man. One of the great directors alive. Was I reading somewhere that they're doing a new Scott Pilgrim? They're re-releasing it with the audio in 5.1, if I remember correctly. Uh, and I would love to go and see that at a cinema. Yeah, I bet that would be incredible. It's the kind of thing that I'd love to... You need to go with a group of friends in order to like kind of pick it apart afterwards, I think. I remember vividly first seeing that in the cinema and not really knowing anything about Scott Pilgrim. And, yeah. you know, the comic book history of it. So we just went in and I remember watching it in, in the first f- 10 minutes was just sitting with my friends, just kind of looking at each other going, what have we come to see? And, like, and it was brilliant. We loved it. But we had mm. no idea what we were going in for, which I think is the kind of perfect way to see it, really. Yeah, no expectations. Yeah. And, and I, I had a similar thing, but within the first 10 seconds, the film got me hook, line and sinker when you get the Universal logo come up and it's mm. in 8-bit and the sound's in 8-bit. And I was like... I don't know what the rest of this is going to be, but that alone has put me in the lane, in the mindset of this film. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, I want to rewatch it now, Dan. Why do we have to finish this podcast? <laughs> Damn it. Such a shame. <laughs> what have we got to do next? Oh, we've got to thank the people in Patreon Corner. Ah, oh, here we go. Oh, why can't we just watch Scott Pilgrim? <laughs> Top lad. Right, time to log in. I don't want to verify the f***ing device. Oh, again? Right. Uh, I I did a big law ramble, so do you want to do... Well, I, I did a big... I'm looking at my waveform. I actually did a lot of talking just then, so I, I think you should do it. Okay. Those people would be sick of me if they're not already. <laughs> don't laugh. Don't don't give me that pity laugh. <laughs> As if they'd be sick of me. <laughs> Keep this in, Fergus. This is all going. This is the start of Patreon no, Corner now. Otherwise, they'll be sick of me. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, Simon. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Of course they will. Yes. Uh, how could anyone ever be sick of... We re- <laughs> Pixelgirl and I had this realisation the other day that a lot of really romantic, like, film moments have such a different tone yeah. when, like, you just say them through gritted teeth. It's like, yeah. I'm never leaving you again. <laughs> yeah. Why can't you just be happy? It's what I want. <laughs> yeah. You complete me. The best years of my life. <laughs> yeah. So happy! <laughs> and it's that time again where we find ourselves in Patreon Corner. It's where we get to say an enormous thank you to everybody who supports this podcast uh, in whichever form they choose, but specifically those of top dog and top cat status. We should point out that if you are not up for supporting us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash thewikicast, then uh, what you can do is uh, give us a rating on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Mm -hmm. And that also helps us out greatly. And it doesn't cost you anything. Even if you just go to iTunes, drop us five stars, that really does help. But to those people, thank you. But more specifically, thank you in this section to the people that donate at patreon.com forward slash thewikicast. Without your donations, this podcast couldn't exist. We wouldn't be able to pay for hosting. We wouldn't be able to pay for... Our glorious uh, editor, Fergus. Such fantastic work on the past couple of episodes. I realised, yeah. by the way, Dan, I want I want this to go on the record that we were saying the whole time, like, oh, you know, we could, maybe we could get Barney to mm. uh, compose a piece for us if Barney wanted to do that. If Fergus is a composer. He's literally done original music for the show, <laughs> like already. He's made custom jingles for us. Of we he just has. totally, totally sailed over his head. The hero and legend that he is. Fergus, put this in the podcast. You're Absolutely. a legend. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to be putting the plans in place to record things together and have money to do interesting things so um, really thank you so much guys it, it, it means so much uh, without further ado I'd like to say a massive thank you to the top dogs the clear primo uh, supporters of the podcast uh, so thank you to 
Sophia, Ben Caples, Josh Shiaja, uh, Henry the Seventh, uh, Henry the Seventh, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Aaron Kari Augustin, uh, Adrian Chan, Naf Laroch, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Lexi at front desk. Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bodiger. Thank you so much. I would like to thank the kind people that support us at the top cat level, those being Nathan Flaherty, Ultra Piggy123, Oliver, Violet Hatch, Abu El Ella, the physics boy, Simon P. Are you messaging, by the way, on, on mess- Facebook Messenger, Dan, whilst we're talking? No. I'm you definitely not. just messaged Hugo's group chat. Wait, no, that was ages ago. Well, I only just glanced at my phone. That was ages ago. Look Goodness at the time sakes. sent on it. All right, let's have a look, shall we? I'm just going to disrupt the names here. Keep listening, everybody. Keep this in, Fergus. I wasn't doing it now. I did it maybe 15 minutes ago. 15 minutes ago. Right when I was... Hang on. How, I'm going to look at my waveform. 15 minutes ago. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, electric bikes. <laughs> but I made a comment about Brompton to see to throw you off the scent that I wasn't listening. <laughs> Damn, he's good. Mm, Brompton goes back to messaging. <laughs> anyway, thank you to our patrons who support th- this podcast, which we're both very invested in. Um, uh, and I got to Abel, the physics boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy, ooh, Izzy Creative Commons, Nafi Iftikar, Christopher Betterton, Dame Valerie the Third, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Jenis Humphreys, Rents Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Colm Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Chucker Cat, Ben Dent. Isabel Ostrowski, Matt McGuire, and Dan Hanvey. Thank you so much for supporting this clearly very important podcast. Top lad! Um, not to alarm you, but I've just opened up the inbox. It's, um, it's a hellish place. Oh my god! How? How did this even happen? I don't know. What the f***? One eternity later. I think we might need to explain what just happened. If you want to okay. yeah. lead in. We've, uh, we're, we're now in Correspondence Corner. We did have to take a little bit of time out uh, from moving straight into the segment, however, because we haven't opened the inbox for a while as we've both been so busy. It was like opening up, a, uh, like lifting up a paving slab. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lifting up a, but instead of, in, instead of various kind of woodlouse, it was just so much spam so much spam there was some uh, some woman called Brittany has signed up to a bunch of stuff with our email <laughs> so um yeah if that's you don't do that please yeah uh but we uh, we are all right now we've tidied everything up and we have an email here from alex and alex's email is titled also alex also a star wars fan fiction idea hello simon and dan my name is alex this is relevant to what follows and i've been reading the podcast for a few months now i've just finished the latest episode and i knew that i had to write in I have to admit, I'm a little shook right now. Oh? About a week ago, I was listening to a previous episode of the Wikicast and dreaming up a Star Wars fan fiction that featured you both as clone troopers just before Order 66. What? I had thought about how Dan would be a genetically defective clone that was much shorter than the others for some reason. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> and how Simon would just be a typical clone. Simon would be forced to execute the Jedi he served under. Dan would be confused and horrified because he wasn't affected by Order 66 on account of his genetic defects, stuff like that. Now, that's good. That's a great premise. No, I don't like this. <laughs> Using the defect as a denial as of me not acting on 66. Why am I a murderer? Why are you not a murderer? It's because I'm, I'm taller than you. <laughs> 
Um, now, I had mostly moved on from the idea since writing really isn't my thing. However, in the, la- the latest episode of the podcast, a reader by the name of Alex offered to write you a Star Wars fan fiction. By that point, I was thinking, oh, wow, what a coincidence. Someone with my name is suggesting a Star Wars fan fiction. But then Simon added that he would have loved to see a fan fiction where both of you were clones. It was one of the most clearly I have to be dreaming moments of my life. I'm sure that reading this out won't make it sound uh, all that strange. Coincidences do happen after all, but it definitely weirded me out at the time. Anyway, thanks for all that you do. Alex, aged 22, nearest integer is good enough. I'm an engineer. What can I say? <laughs> that is a hell of a coincidence. It though. Is. That, you know, coincidences do happen, but not necessarily on quite that, ske- that specificity. That's amazing. Um, Alex also says, P.S. Simon, I don't know if you remember me, but I had actually contacted you around Christmas time with questions regarding the AI code you'd written for one of your videos last year. I do admit, though, that email was far more professionally written than this. Um, and it was <laughs> sent using my academic address email. That does ring a bell, yes. I think I remember sending the stuff off to you, actually. And that's a project I need to come back to because our boy Danvi has been working on a little something to make it better. Well, uh, speaking of Danvi, Simon. Oh, we, we have an email here from Dan H. Just Actually, just Dan H. Dan, sorry, Dan, Dan who? Dan, oh, oh, it's Danvi. I just had to read the, I just had to read past the name is on Gmail. He's called Dan H. Uh, Dan, Dan what? Oh, Sugar Daddy. Remember? Dan. Hanvi. Dan. How are you saying that? How are you saying that last, that last letter? H. H. Yeah, H. No. H for Hanvi. No, 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 no. H, isn't it? There's no huh in H. All right. It's Dan Anvi. <laughs> All right there, Mary Poppins. I'll support your podcast. That's one of my that's that's one of my pet peeves when people say H because it's not H. H. It is hurricanes hardly happen in Hampshire. Yeah, they're words, not the letter. The letter is H. The letter H. H. No. Oh, this is this is <laughs> this is pole and pole again. Well, I'm right again. I think I've got an email to read, Simon. <laughs> yeah, keep that pause in there, Fergus. <laughs> um, Dan. H with a mm. hot groin and a bicep. Um, I, I don't know. Actually, I know that Dan doesn't have those. Uh, he, he writes, Dear Cheese and Tomato, Although my true dedication is to the Wikicast, I have been recently been re-listening to the Technical Difficulties Reverse Trivia Podcast from 2010, featuring the red-shirted Tom Scott, book reader Chris Joel, everyone's favourite Gary Brannan, Gary Brannan, and the bounciest man on the internet, Matt Gray. Aside from being a source of excellent improv and laughs, I was struck by Gary referring to the listeners as readers several times. I'm now wondering if you know of other podcasts that have done this shtick. Um, yes, is the answer. I know the greatest generation refers to theirs as viewers because they just find it funny the idea that somebody would sit and watch like the podcast screen on their phone. But I don't know of readers specifically. Um, the Kermode and Mayo film podcast. Oh, do they do? I can't mm. really remember that. They do. Oh, okay. And we also took uh, inspiration for the Wikicast logo with the with the faces from the Film Doctor book they released. Do you recall yes, that? Yes, of course. God, I've totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot to... Uh, we have a lot... Well, rather, uh, the Kermit the, the and Mayo film podcast have a lot to answer for because <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was it was a formative part of this podcast's kind of conception. Yes, you, uh, Mark Kermode, you've got... The, you will answer for your crimes. <laughs> yes. Um, additionally, Danvi goes on to write, 
I wanted to pass on some advice. If people are feeling ground down by the waves of bad news about COVID in the UK, third wave, Delta variant, vaccine efficacy, etc., there is a Twitter account called Coronavirus Good News, which is at Coronavirus Goo One. I, I guess they didn't have enough mm. characters for the good news that posts nothing but good news about it. Helpful if you need a little boost when the anxiety spikes. What a good idea. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Finally, I'd urge everyone who can have one to get... Oh, God, Morty. <laughs> Finally, I'd urge everyone who can have one to get a vaccine when offered. I've had both of mine, and my anxiety has dropped massively. I'm even okay with getting on public transport now. At the appointment, all I felt was a little prick, which is no different to how I usually feel. Yeah, brilliant. All the best, Danby. Well, that sage advice there from the one and only Dan H. I saw Dan H not long ago. I did too. He came around to my to the new house to he met he was really here to meet Jasmine properly. But um Yes. You know, like I was there as well. Sweet boy. We have an email here from Michael from uh Tennessee in the US of A. Hmm. That's exciting. Uh, and Michael says, Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, this is my first time writing in, but I was just reading the latest edition of the podcast and thought I could clarify the meaning behind Wasser in the radio station name. This was uh, sent to us, I think, on Twitter, but for the benefit of people on the podcast, I think this is worth reading out because yeah. it is a mystery otherwise. Uh, it's a call sign assigned to the station by the US Federal Communications Commission. These four-letter codes are assigned to all television and radio stations that broadcast over the air, not to satellite or cable-only stations. All stations east of the Mississippi River begin with a W, and all to the west start with a K. Broadcasters are required by law to reference their call sign on air at least once per hour. Amateur ham radio operators also have similar call signs and requirements. Growing up in the USA, hearing these call letters... uh, along with the frequency and some slogan uh, the station came up with is just something you'd expect from radio stations. You'd see the same thing on television, but with the channel number instead of the frequency. Hopefully this helps clear up the mystery, though you may be disappointed because it has no real deeper meaning. Please keep the non-content coming. Uh, Listening in and your banter is always enjoyable and feels like hanging out with two friends. Michael, Tennessee, USA. P.S. I am definitely team cat. Hey, good man. And that it's a bit of a shame it doesn't mean anything. It's a bit like sign and cause, I suppose, in that respect. But um Yes. You know, we have the answer. There we go. We have the technology. And finally, I think for this episode, uh, we have a follow-up email from uh Cassandra from uh Calamity Cast. Those of you on the Discord will recognize her, uh, who writes in with phone parties, heavy metal, and other nonsenses. So this is in response to I think when we were talking with this about uh, all of this stuff with Barney yes. uh, two episodes ago. Uh, Cass writes, Dear Mrs. Moore and Mrs. Clark, as a metalhead, I feel there are two camps regarding baby metal. So this is the Japanese super kind of kawaii version of uh, metal. Uh, there's a large demographic among the metalheads that likes it, along with J-Rock, spe- uh, specifically Japanese guitar players. They're insanely talented. Yeah. While the rest sees it as absolute musical blasphemy. But then again, there are some metalheads like me that don't like growl, throw, rip... <laughs> growling throat ripping screams normally so metalhead communities are a bit splintered on different topics so there we go we have finally had a metalhead a proper metalhead way in it was maybe going i think that people some people like them and some people don't <laughs> you could put me on news night with that kind of analysis yeah uh, regarding your inquiry about phone parties in other countries besides the UK, I remember going to three or four when I was about 16 in Argentina, and they definitely used fairy-style soap for making it. 
In some parts of the dance floor, it actually became quite hard to breathe. We used to go with swimming goggles to avoid the irritated eyes. Wow, that's a look at a club, isn't it? Everyone walks in with their goggles, and I like to you know, add a snorkel into the mix, and you'd be, yeah. you'd be really going. <laughs> you can, you can, you can never leave the foam pit. You're there for good. Yeah. Um, have you seen the picture of me in? Uh, it was Pixel Girl and I's two houses ago. Now, uh, uh, I wanted to eat outside but hay fever season was upon us. And so I, I was just eating outside with my swimming goggles on. I imagine it's similar because I was wearing like a shirt and swimming goggles, which was yeah. like, I, I'm picturing Cass at the time. Yeah. Um, also, hay fever can suck my d***s, Dan. It's, oh, it's awful it's, at the moment. It's starting to trigger me now. I've been all right so far, but then as of about three days ago, it really cranked up. So I'm on the I'm on the Benadryl. Yeah. I've got the Haymax uh, and somebody... Let me borrow there. It's like an it's an eye spray. You close your eyes and you spray it over your eyelid. Oh, okay. And it stops the irritating eyes. It's from Boots, I think, and it's brilliant. Oh, I think I might have had the gel version of that when I was a kid. I might have to find that because yeah, my, my I it's in the mornings. You know, before you take the tab. Well, you take the tablet immediately, and then there'll be like half an hour yeah. of your body kind of getting used to it, and it's just like, ugh, it's not fun. Awful. Anyway, back to Cass's email. Uh, just finishing off saying, uh, also, regarding the sports I mentioned in my previous email, uh, which is uh, three episodes ago, I think now, if people want to re-listen to that, um, uh, Cass played a sport called uh, Yuga, with German pronunciation specifically, so it's Jugger, but Yuga. Uh, it's taken from a post-apocalyptic German movie. The weapons vary from spears and swords to a big ball and chain, and the head is, of course, a human head made of foam. Out of context, that sentence is terrifying, Cass, yeah. can I just say yeah. If he hadn't, if I hadn't a vague memory of what you wrote in about, wrote in about before, that would be awful. Cass finishes. Thanks for another interesting episode, and hope you're both well. Looking forward to seeing the Dan and Simon out in the world with our adult supervision episodes. Yeah, yeah. We are very much looking forward to filming them. Yeah, it's going to be a riot because we've got the miniatures, we've got the Warhammer stuff to paint. Uh, we'll do one or two videos, I think, around here in uh, Bath area. Um, we've also got Horseball if we can get that sorted to go and film that and um, and festivals. And fest, I'm so key. Uh, it's gonna be, uh, we're gonna come roaring back. He's back, and he brought his small friend. Um, that's I think probably about a good place to leave it because this we've been recording for a very long time. I think I think it is. So Simon, what have we learned today? Today, Dan, we learned a tiny bit about Swerve (parentheses film), a 2011 Australian film, which wasn't very good and didn't make very much money and we didn't talk about it for very long <laughs> brilliant absolutely superb we then talked about australian law uh, and this important case that's going on bit of a tangent on that one we spoke about exams and you're um moving into your new house i spoke about getting an electric bike which by next episode i'll give a review of of what i think of it uh, mm. i'm very excited we spoke about some of the films that are coming out soon and how excited we both are to finally be able to go to the cinema again Mm, and excited to uh, see each other and film some stuff as we talked about in Correspondence Corner. Mm. So overall, I hope you enjoy. I always feel like when we're wrapping up, it's like a teacher reviewing the learning objectives at the end of a lesson. Yeah. It's a bit like, well, I hope we've all had a good time today uh, yeah. and we've all learned something and we've become better friends as a result. I hope you've enjoyed your time sitting in on this conversation where you feel like you're our friend on the sofa, just sat between us, not saying anything. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that experience. <laughs> Place your coloured pens and glue sticks in the pots provided. <laughs> um, please, please put your work that you've been working on uh, in your in your tray, and uh, you can head out to the coat racks where you can get your lunch for morning break. Edward, Ed, Edward, stop eating the prit stick. We've been through this. <laughs> Goodness, 
idiot child. Bless him. Bless him. And that's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Electric Bike Reviews, films you're looking forward to seeing at the cinema and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And And we'll we'll see see you you next time. time. It's nice to be back, though. I've missed yeah. it. It's been a stressful time. Yeah, it's, it's a rock of stability. Oh, it's like, a, it's like getting into a warm bath. In this weather. Yeah, are you mad? Spe- specifically, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah.